Hello, Gasheads, and welcome to this episode of Gascast. I'll be your host, Tom Metcalf, and joining me today for an exclusive interview is Commercial Director Tom Gorringe and Chief Executive Martin Steins. Welcome, chaps. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? All good, all good. Um, Before we get going, a quick word about our sponsor, Kahuna Flooring. Kahuna supply and fit all types of flooring for your home or workplace. Steve comes to you with a sample selection service and offers deals on supplied and fitted carpets, vinyls, LVT, such as Candine and Amtico, engineered wood and more. Uh, being a massive gas head, Steve is vying for a contract at an undisclosed location in St. Phillips, so book now while he's still available. Uh, get in touch with Steve today on 07 917 mention GasCast to receive 10% off all orders. So, for those who don't know, uh, should we start with what your roles involve? Tom, uh, commercial director, what does that mean kind of day-to-day for you? Uh, well, effectively, I'm in charge of all the club's revenue streams, um, so I oversee everything from uh, ticketing, hospitality, and obviously sponsorships. Um, so, yeah, it's quite quite a vast role. Keeps me busy day to day, and obviously, we've we've seen quite a lot of changes over the last couple of years in order to try and speed up that commercial growth. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a brief overview of my my remit. Yeah, and congratulations on I saw an article the other day about massively improved shop sales and you know the the retro kits last season and this season now it's all kind of starting to come together i guess yeah so obviously there's there's been a huge amount of change in terms of some of our core core areas for for income retail probably being the biggest success story out of that uh, we've not only seen a new physical store at the stadium uh, but also a new online store and those two things combined have, have been really fruitful for us um, obviously the the kits last season were popular uh, and the kits this season have been even more so. So, um, so yeah, all the foundations are, are in place for that. Um, we've also seen the developments in the bar areas. Um, so we've seen a significant increase in spend per head because of that as well. Um, so it's all about trying to find ways to maximise the income that we can generate through the site, um, ultimately to feed into to our sustainability model and improve the product that we can put on the pitch. Excellent. Um, Martin, Chief Executive Officer, uh, what does that entail and how does that differ with Wiles' role as President? Well, I mean, I, I have um, overall responsibility for the for the running of the club. So um, I've got 10 people that directly report into me um, across the different departments, which includes the manager and head of recruitment, as, as well as Tom and other department heads. Uh, I think my role probably falls into two distinct categories really um one is strategic um where you know we're looking to do budgets and planning and structure and looking a little bit further ahead than sort of the next few months and the training ground obviously falls into that that category and then there's the operational um issues that we have i mean if there's any issues or problems in any of the departments that I've sort of referred to, then they normally find their way across my desk or my screen, as things are at the moment. Um, but uh, I also um, sort of principally look after the cash cash forecasting and uh, the management accounting, that type of thing, um, banking arrangements. Um, I also have roles with the, the EFL. Um, I've been on their salary control committee, the one that's sort of talking about salary caps for the last uh, probably six, seven, eight months. And I also represent the EFL on the Football Association's uh, council. So they're sort of ancillary to my day-to-day work. 
um, but um, they, they take some time, and particularly over the last few months where we've been talking about curtailment of the season and trying to get this salary cap in, particularly across League One and League Two. And then there's the, the contractual issue. So, you know, player contracts have to come across my desk to be approved. Most of the negotiation is done by Tommy Widrington, our head of recruitment. But um, we have um, four of us that discuss all incoming players and outgoing players. And that's while um, Ben, Tommy and myself. So we meet uh, every every week um, on, on Zoom, as it is at the moment, to uh, uh, to discuss those issues. And you know, Tom and I you know, get pulled in all sorts of different directions. No, no two days are the same. So we will we will talk about some contracts that may affect um, ticketing, um, medical kit in particular. Yeah, you know, the kit the kit orders don't just um, uh, appear overnight. They they take some thinking through, some planning, uh, discussions with uh, with Macron, uh, that type of thing. Um, so. I think both Tom and I got very, very varied roles. Uh, and we've probably covered the main core um, responsibilities that we have. Um, but, but there's a lot more to it than that. It certainly seems to take a lot of time. I think Tom and I probably get between 50 and 100 emails a day each um, that have to be fielded in some way, shape or form. Now, some of them, some of them just need to be read. Um, some of them can go straight into the into the, the bin because they're unsolicited, um, but others actually take you know quite a bit of our time to respond to in a sensible manner. So I'm not I'm not complaining at all. It's good to be busy, and um, yeah, we've certainly been busy even through uh, this lockdown. There's been a lot to do. Yeah, I can fully imagine. Um, I'll let Jack know that his emails about the sweet potato pies have been just going directly directly into the bin. They've gone yeah. into Tom's junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be very upset. Um, I was uh, Jack actually asked, uh, added this next question um, about how both of you ended up coming to the club because it's not the kind of uh, the job that you just see advertised in the in the Bristol Post. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Tom. How I mean, how did you end up coming to Rovers? I think both of our stories are slightly similar. Um, I spoke to Wild shortly after he joined the club um, and that was the initial contact. Uh, he invited me to a game. Uh, so around a year before I joined the club, I came to a Rovers game against Bolton on a Tuesday night. Um, and and yeah, he said, if, if there's an opportunity to get you here one day, then we'd love to do it. And a year or so later, things progressed. Uh, it was the right, right time for me. I was keen to move back this way. And obviously the right time for the club. Um, so, yeah, you facilitate that and the rest is history. How about you, mine? Similar thing? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd been at, at Plymouth Argyle for five years, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. But uh, there were some issues and uh, decisions being made which I, I didn't want to buy into. And when you get to that stage, um, if you can't show collective responsibility, you have to say to yourself, well, I've got to do the right thing and look, and look for something else. So um, in the process of um, considering what I was going to do, um, I had met while before on a couple of occasions um, on the football circuit. And I just contacted him and said, uh, can I come and have a chat? Um, I'm looking to move on from Plymouth Argyle. I wasn't particularly thinking necessarily that there was, I didn't know there was going to be a vacancy at, at Bristol Rovers, but I went and had a chat with him. 
and we'd always got on well when we'd when we'd met before. And he said, it's funny you should contact me now. He said, we are considering recruiting a chief executive. So we, we had a chat. I met him in London and uh, he offered me the job and I was happy to accept. Right place, right time. It's a pleasure, it's a pleasure working for a while. That's ah, good to know. Um, a few birdies have mentioned your bromance, you two. Um, Tom, is it true that you have a pair of socks with Martin's face on? <laughs> yeah unfortunately it is um obviously uh as some of you might have seen alex rodman has got um some external business interests with his family uh and one of those is the the super socks brand so he came in for a meeting with me we've we've stocked them on our website so people can can buy uh their bristol rover socks with a face on with the players faces on uh and as a sample he gave me some with my own face on, uh, but also some with Martin's face on. So I thought it was a good opportunity as a, a bit of a joke within the office to to wear those and wear them proudly. So, um, so yeah, they do exist. I don't know where they are now, but I have got some somewhere. Um, but they're high and high demand. Um, I could sell those for a lot of money. Can I, can I just say, Tommy, that uh, I do not have a pair of socks with uh, Tom's face on. I refuse to go down that route. Um, I actually you know, got. He gave me some of those as well to in the pack, so I can I can make. No, don't don't even think about it, Tom. I don't want those for my birthday, for Christmas, nothing. Whose whose face would you want, mine? If you had to kind of pick, oh, uh, that'd probably be one of my boyhood heroes. I'm afraid to be really boring. It'd be Rodney Marshall, Stan Bowles, probably. You're showing your age now as well. Well, I, I can hardly hide it, can I? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, how well, I mean, you guys seem to work as a team quite well. Uh, it seems to be like a, a, a decent amount of kind of cohesion between you guys. Is it something that you think has been missing in the past with Ravers? Like kind of people quite disjointed in their kind of separate areas? We'll go for you, Martin. Well, I think we, go, we can only talk about the present. I mean, I don't, I don't know what went on before and how people work together. Um, and the only sort of interaction I had with Bristol Rovers people was when I visited as a, uh, from another club. Um, but all I can say is that, you know, I think Tom and I do work well together and I think it is a great advantage um, when, uh, when you can do so. Um, you know, we have, our, we have our disagreements about certain things. That's, that's natural and healthy. And uh, we, we normally come to a consensus at the end of the day or agree to disagree. But by and large, you know, we do, we do get on very well. And I think that's uh, uh, to our advantage and to the club's advantage. Tom, you can disagree if you like. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think we've got, we've got kind of different skill sets as well that complement each other quite well. So Martin comes from an accountancy background and mine's more kind of marketing and commercial. So it's, Martin's good at saving money and, and you're um, good at spending it. Yeah, spend. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that. Yeah. Um, Martin, there's been lots of exciting news off the pitch for Rovers this summer. Uh, let's start with the news of Wilde clearing the debts of the club. Uh, we read in his letter to fans that he intends to capitalise the debt owed to Dwayne Sports by Bristol Rovers, 1883 Limited, totaling 18.4 million, and 16.4 million of debt owed by Bristol Rovers Limited to Bristol Rovers, 1883 Limited, 
and has written off all the interest that was charged on the debt, totaling 2.1 million. To the layman, and I've just read that, what does that actually mean practically? Well, it means that um, both 1883 and, and the football club do not have to pay back those debts. They do not owe those debts anymore because it's been converted into shares. And it not only was an intention of um, while to do that, it has been done and it will be reflected in the audited accounts um, that will be prepared for the year ending 30th of June in both those companies. So from my point of view, um, it improves um, the, the balance sheet for both companies uh, considerably. Um, and, you know, it's not unusual for football clubs right across the country to have uh, deficits on their, on their balance sheet. So, we, you know, we weren't that much different to many, many other clubs, um, including, including um, you know, some, some very big names. Um, and I think, you know, what he's done is extremely generous to, to capitalise that, uh, uh, that amount of money in those, in those companies to um, put us on a really secure footing. Tom, for you, I know that a lot of work has gone into uh, kind of reducing the losses at the club by increasing revenue. Um, how have things been progressing with that? It must be vitally important that the losses don't kind of mount up again as they were before kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that process started uh, as soon as I stepped in the building, really, and, and obviously kicked on when Martin joined as well. The, there were lots of things that I think we both identified from the start that, that needed changing, um, and those changes have started to be made. It's not a quick process. It's, it's quite a long one, and we were on course to significantly reduce the losses for, for this season before the virus. Um, obviously, last season... See from the accounts that were submitted, our revenues increased by ten percent, um, which is a, a decent decent chunk in one season. Um, and obviously, more recently, we've we've had to work harder to try and make sure that we get the revenues in that that keep the club um, kind of keep our heads above water in a difficult economic climate. So um, that's the reason why season tickets have remained on sale and sales of those have been really positive. Obviously, as you mentioned, the kits have launched, which again, the support from the fans on those has been vital. Um, but we've also secured um, some really good sponsorship deals. Obviously, the extension with Utilita for this season on improved terms from last is is hugely important to us. I'm, I'm still seeing clubs now that, that don't have a front shirt sponsor for next season. Um, so it's a tough, tough market to be out out in the market at this stage um, but we've also got some other partnerships incoming as well over the next few weeks which um, really kind of elevate the sorts of brands that we're, we're dealing with and hopefully put the club on a new level. Yeah how much of a kind of spanner in the works was COVID obviously huge from you know not having well I'll let you answer. <laughs> it's huge on on every single level obviously we've we've lost income um, for a significant chunk of the season um, that income still hasn't returned obviously there's been no games over the summer uh, the shops remain closed although we've, we've been lucky enough to have the online trade still still going in the background um, but not only that we've had to issue refunds and that process has not only been costly um, but it's also been hugely complicated as well to administer um, so all in all, our team have processed uh, just over 4,000 refunds across the four different options. So they were donations to the academy, uh, ticketing credit on the ticketing website, uh, retail voucher to spend online, or obviously a physical refund onto, back onto your card. Um, 
So that, that process has been complicated from uh, a data perspective in terms of managing all the various requests and then processing those in, in the right manner. Um, but thankfully, through we're through that now. Um, and we're, we're lucky that we're in a position, thanks, thanks to world support, that we were able to, to do the right thing there. Obviously, it was a decision early on that um, we wanted to do what was right morally. Um, obviously, from a business perspective, it was a, a big call. It was a big, big potential liability in terms of having to process those refunds. But it was something that the world in particular gave us back into to fund. Um, and we're, we're in an extremely lucky position to be able to do that. So um, obviously that process is now complete. Thankful to all the supporters that, that opted to select the donation to the academy route because that, that money has been hugely vital for us at a difficult time. Um, and then we look forward now to next season. Yeah, I was going to follow up, Martin. Um, the money that has gone to the, the academy, what kind of difference will that make? I'd imagine it's a pretty tidy sum. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm not going to mention numbers, but I mean, you know, in, any money that the, the fans have been uh, prepared to put into the club, whether it's been donations to the academy um, or even just waiving their right to, to a refund now and offsetting it against uh, ticketing in the future has been uh, immensely helpful. Uh, the, the number of season ticket holders that have um, renewed uh, during this during this period has also given us vital income to... Uh, uh, to help us through this period. So we're very grateful to uh, supporters for doing that. I and mean, if I can just add to what Tom was saying about um, the trading, I mean, we, we budgeted to lose about a million and a half this season. And it's very difficult to um, get your finances into what most people would see as a sustainable state of, of break-even and stay competitive because other clubs are setting the bar for um, players that you may want to sign. So... Yeah, we're 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 trying to juggle the two. We're trying to make sure that you know a lot of money isn't going out of the business ordinarily, but we're staying competitive. Um, and we were bang on target to uh, meet that uh, that that loss situation this season, which was good news until COVID hit us. And you know, our reckoning is that um, that we 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 probably lost an extra five hundred thousand to three quarters of a million as a result of COVID. Yeah, an absolute gutter. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the club actually at the moment does remain in a loss-making position, as you know, as most clubs are. Um, Martin, while is committed to cover the losses for the next two seasons and absolute minimum, um, what does this say about his commitment to the club? Oh, his, uh, his, his commitment is total, as far as I'm concerned. You know, he's very passionate about the club. wants wants the best for it, um, on and off the pitch. So, um, I, I think it's uh, it's terrific what he's what he's doing for the club. And for those people who perhaps don't know, what's enabled Wild to be able to back us in this extraordinary way? Um, hard for me to say, really, without getting into personal issues. So I don't, I don't want to get drawn into that. Just that uh, I think, you know, his his passion um, is is making sure that uh, he's he's finding the funds um, available um, for him to do the support that he's committed to. That makes sense. Um, for the kind of to get us into that kind of break-even state what's the kind of roadmap for that well i mean we're, we're constantly uh, looking at ways in which we can increase revenues you know, tom's alluded to that already and um, we have been successful um up until now in doing that um 
we have got to get better value out of uh, contracts that we're signing, players and and otherwise, and we're doing that. But it it does take um, a little while for the legacy contracts to un- unravel and for us to replace them with those that are going to give us better value. And, you know, we've got to have a strategy, um, as other clubs have got, of developing talent and generating transfer fees. There's, there's no question that, you know, if we're going to be um, successful and be sustainable, um, we've, got, we've got to have that as a, as a regular revenue stream. And that's not an easy thing to pull off. And it takes time. Yeah, there's any kind of a handful of clubs that I can think of that are really successful at it. Yeah. I'm thinking Posh and uh, Southampton kind of spring to mind for that kind of model. Um, well, Brent, Brentford latterly Brentford, have been yeah. very successful doing that as well. So um, we've got our own way of going about it. You know, I think we're, we're approaching things in the right way. I think the signings that we're making in this close season demonstrate what we're, what we're about. I think the um, scholars that have been brought through into first-year professional contracts have got a lot, lot of potential. And uh, as I say, it's not an exact science, but uh, you know, it, it takes time, as it has done at other clubs, to to generate income from um, players being developed. Yeah, we're going to go into into that uh, into depth in that a little bit later. Um, okay. For now, Tom, as part of the news from while it was also announced that you will be joining the board. Um, what does that mean for you and how will your role differ as a result? Uh, effectively, it means um, more responsibility. Obviously, I'll, I'll join Mal Martin, while Martin and Kareem on the in the board meetings. Um, so that kind of gives us our strategic focus to where the club's going. Um, and ultimately, I'll be personally responsible for how the club's operating um, along with the rest of the board. So um, the focus will remain in terms of um, trying to maximise our incomes and work towards a sustainable vision, um, but as well as kind of working through that that six, six phase plan that, while included in his letter of um, obviously improving the infrastructure and developing the youth and maintaining our family roots and um, continuing the great work that happens in the community. Um, so yeah, that, that's the the core focus really is taking that that vision that strategy and trying to put it into practice in the day-to-day operating of the business. Um, Martin, as Tom mentioned, we've got Kareem Marden Bay joining the board. Can you tell us a bit more about him and his kind of skills? Yeah, I mean, Kareem, Kareem I've only known Kareem a couple of years since I've been at the club. I mean, he's, he's been a contact and friend of Wild for um, a long time. He's um, been integral to uh, the Macron um, contract and the development of the retail sales. Um, he's also got experience in in PR, and so you know we do discuss things with him um, in that in that area. So um, yeah, he's a, he's a really nice guy and uh, will be an asset to our board meetings. Yeah, speaking of the board, obviously um, we haven't got fans director at the moment. We had the acrimonious departure of Ken Masters. Uh, can you tell us about? A bit more about how that kind of came about. No, I, I, I can't. I can't be drawn into that. I'm afraid, Tommy, as, as you well know. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was a yeah. You have to cheeky, ask. Yeah, you have to ask. And exactly. I, I have to swerve it. No, that's fair. Uh, so there were two fans directors originally. Um, is this still the agreement with the supporters' club that there'll be two coming on board, um, or with the kind of shared? Uh, 
the capitalization of the debt and the and the shares will that kind of be diluted as well i can't i can't give you an honest answer about the two i can give you an honest answer about the one um certainly we would welcome um one um fans director on the board um off the top of my head i'm not sure um what the shareholding changing the shareholding arrangement would do i don't know if tom's tom's aware of it um but um you know, if if there is an entitlement to two, we'll we'll meet it. But certainly, we know there's an entitlement to one. And if uh, if a, a candidate is put forward um, that um, that is acceptable to the board, then we'd welcome them with open arms. Yeah, that was that was kind of my follow up. Really, is does the the board have a veto on on the next kind of fans director coming in? Yes. Okay. And do you, is that like a you kind of get to sit down and chat with them, or is it just you know their name, and you're like, nah. No, I, th- I think I think we would uh, be professional about it. I think you know we we want to meet the um, candidate that's been that's been put forward, and the the most important thing about it is trust. There ha- there has to be mutual trust between the other members of the board and the uh, person coming in, um, because if you haven't got that, you can't work together. And at the end of the day, we we all want the same thing. You know, the the objectives of the club are to uh, progress and make the club as successful as it possibly can be, and um, yeah, it's a team effort off the pitch as well as as well as on it. So you've got to have someone that you can think can can work um, with you as part of the team. What's the kind of relationship like at the moment with the supporters club? Do you kind of speak to them often, or is it just kind of a, a bit frosty at the moment? Um, I have to be honest; I'd say it's a bit frosty at the moment. Um, uh, you know, with the, with the issues around around Ken, um, com- I think it's fair to say communication broke down a little bit. Um, I'm always willing to willing to meet them, and uh, difficult in this current environment, obviously. Uh, and I was willing to meet them when um, the issues with Ken were going on, but um, uh, there seemed to be a reluctance to do so. Tom, with the new fans director um, coming on, I think. It's the AGM. It hasn't been confirmed yet. It'll be October, November time. Um, and there seems to be a lot of interest at the moment about kind of someone new kind of coming in. Is it a chance to kind of reset the relationship between the club and the the supporters club? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the club's turned a real corner over the last few months. Um, there's been a wave of positive news. And obviously, we've already discussed about the conversion of the debt and the training ground and everything else. And so... Um, it's a real opportunity now for everybody to come together, put in the same direction, and and ultimately that's what's required to to help the club reach its full potential. Um, so absolutely, it's a it's a fresh start, it's a fresh opportunity. There's no issues from our side um, in terms of the club and that relationship going forward. And like Martin said, we just we want somebody who's going to aid that pull in the right direction to help unlock the club's potential. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing how the, the process progresses. Have you put your name forward, Tommy? Uh, no, I am. It's, it's not for me. I've, <laughs> I've already got enough on my plate with like with Gascast and, you know, going actually having a life and all that kind of stuff is, is way too much. I completely salute anyone who goes for it because it's a it's a big commitment. Um, but uh, we are trying well, I'm working on trying to get like a hustings going um, with the with the candidates, but we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, that's a gas cast exclusive. Hopefully, ultimately, it's a it's a really difficult position for somebody to fulfil because 
they the most important skill they can have is is good communication because they're gonna have to liaise with the supporters and digest all the information and the feedback that that the supporters will throw at them and then be able to reconstruct that in a digestible way that can actually then make physical improvements to the way that club's operating um so uh there's there's a difficult skill set for somebody to have and so hopefully through this process and obviously the, the person needs to be put forward and and effectively approved by the wider fan base as somebody that represents their view. So hopefully that process is, is thorough and the right person gets put forward. Yeah, it's not an easy job. Um, let's move on to the, the kind of vision going forward. So it's it's no secret that our style of play on the pitch has changed quite drastically. Um, when Graham was in charge, he did get us up into the playoffs and flirting with automatic promotion. But his brand of football wasn't, you know, as a fan, wasn't great to watch. Um are we, with the apartment, uh, appointment of Ghana and the kind of signings that we've made, are we looking to kind of really change the style of play? I'll go to you, Tom, first. Um, yeah, my mind's probably better place to answer this than I am. But um, just from a commercial perspective, uh, under Graham, fourth in the league, our attendances were, were down on the season before, um, which was a season where we had a a kind of realistic chance of relegation for the majority of it. Um, so clearly there, there was an issue there in terms of creating a, a product that, that fans find attractive and want to get behind. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a desire from a, a club's perspective to play a more attractive brand of football. Um, and ultimately that's what we want is we want to, want to entertain people. We want to win games. We want to progress and we want to increase the size of the fan base and get more people kind of getting on board and, and pulling in the same direction. Go to you, Martin. Yeah, I mean, but Tom's absolutely right. We we certainly want to play uh, a more attractive style of football, more attacking brand of f- football. Again, um, it's not easy to uh, deliver when you're playing against teams that are determined to stop you playing. Um, but the recruitment has been designed to um, help us keep the ball um, effectively for for longer periods of time and to create chances. So. You know, we're bringing in um, pace. We're bringing in people that can uh, can pass the ball and, and keep possession uh, and play from the back, and, they, and they're used to doing so. So, uh, yeah, it's still all got to click, click into place. Um, you know, you never know um, whether a team is going to gel quickly or slowly, but clearly, we hope for the former. And uh, they're they're working very hard in in making it happen. We've got a new um, analyst. Um, we're using a lot of data. Um, to feed into the, the manager that uh, that's being used constructively to try and um, pinpoint areas in which we're doing doing well and those that we're not doing so well. Um, some very interesting stats have already come out from last season um, in terms of how how solid we've been defensively from from set pieces, as an example. Um, but on the other hand, we haven't been terribly effective um, on set pieces the other end. So. That data is, is is steering us towards what we what we need to do um, to improve um, performances and results. I guess both of you guys in box one get to see all the games as well, and it must be nicer to watch a bit of possession-based kind of attacking football than hoof ball up to JCH and hope for the best. Well, yeah, un- un- unlike Tom, um, you know, who's who, who watched Brighton for many years. Um, I was brought up on QPR's uh, football, which was always very entertaining, obviously. It was so long ago, he's struggling to remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's imprinted on my brain, Tom. Don't you worry about that. 
Um, so Ben Garner, um, Martin, was he the number one target and what attracted the club to sign him? Uh, yes, yes, he was. Um, and uh, he even came under consideration um, when uh, Daryl left, to be honest with you. Um, but at that time, Graham was already in the building and we felt had the potential to, uh, uh, to take the team forward, particularly in the difficult circumstances um, that we were in at the time. And that, that was probably the right decision for the club at that moment because he dug us out of it and, um, and, and got us at the, at the upper end of the table um, at the beginning of this season. Um, when, when Graham decided to leave, you know, we, we knew that uh, um, there was a strain on the squad already. You know, they'd been asked to play a lot of games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, we knew that there was a blip um, coming. Even Graham said that, that there was going to be a, a blip coming. And, uh, and, it, and it did. And it was a bit unfortunate for Ben that, uh, that he came in at the time that it, that it occurred. And then trying to transition from one style of football to another um, is quite difficult um, because you've got to have the right players to, to do it, clearly. So um, we, we had the, the comfort of being in a good position in the league, which gave, gave Ben an opportunity to, uh, to start that transition process without really having to worry about um, the prospect of relegation, that type of thing, which is exactly what we did. Um, now we've had this break and a lot of work has gone into identifying uh, recruitment and um, the way that we're going to play. I think we'll kick off the beginning of the new season uh, in a very positive um, sort of style of play. Yeah, I mean, the, the signings that we've made so far are actually really exciting. Um, I, you touched on it earlier. Is it kind of now the policy to try and sign young up-and-coming players and potentially sell them on for a fee get get a decent amount of use out of them and try and you know push our way up the league that way yeah i think that's uh that's that's a pretty good way of putting it i mean we're, we're certainly looking to recruit players that are going to give us um value in in both ways you know whilst they're with us on the pitch and indeed if we're able to develop them successfully uh in their in their salon um, value. Yeah, and we're, we're recording now Tuesday the 28th and we've just seen that Roland's gone to Mansfield to link up with Graham for a fee. Um, yeah. which is, I mean, fantastic fantastic news from kind of our point of view. Um, I just want to move on to the training ground, actually. Um, yeah. In terms of developing players, obviously training grounds where they work all week and we just see them on a Saturday. Um, how to uh, do how quickly did this develop it kind of came out of the blue for us fans it kind of the site was purchased in 2017 and then it kind of was growing weeds for what three years and then all of a sudden it was all kind of systems go um yeah how how come it kind of went from nothing to all guns blazing all of a sudden well, it was it was Wild's initiative, really, in in saying, look, what can we get this done for? Um, I I will provide the funding for it. So it's a, it's a standalone project. It's completely outside of the funding of the football club per se. Um, so um, during this period uh, of lockdown, obviously we're seeing uh, people wanting to get uh, get work, get business. And with some negotiation, we were able to get some very good costings um, for the, the training ground. 
and you know we're we're developing two and a half uh, pitches, two two pitches that are going to resemble um, the MEM pitch, so it's exactly the same construction, and then the other half pitch will be for goalkeeper training principally. So um, yeah, it's really you know while while making that decision, making the funds available um, for us to go ahead and make that that development. And, you know, it, it, it coincides with the fact that we, we needed a training ground because the lease was up at Cribs. Um, it wasn't going to be renewed this time because the school that owns uh, the old training ground wanted to do their own development there. So it was it was pretty compelling that we needed to do something. And it was a question of being able to do it um, for value. Again, it was, it was trying to find a way of getting it done at the uh, the most economic way for the club. Yeah, you've, you've talked about what the kind of first phase will look like. When do we expect the players to be able to get on the grass there? I think it's likely to be the end of September. Um, it's very hard to be absolutely precise because the weather plays a part here. Um, but uh, at the moment, we're on, we're on course for them to be on the grass at the end of September. And for the kind of second phase um what what are the plans there tom have you got your kind of office picked out already kind of corner office big windows and all that kind of stuff uh not not just yet obviously the i think we discussed it on the fans forum the other day but ultimately the the initial development we, we see as a phase one development and that's been targeted around providing all of the the requirements that the first team have I mean, historically, last year, you might have a single day where the players would be at four different locations on one day and they would have to travel between the four to eat or to the gym and to train. Um, so having everything on one site is a real benefit to us. I think we've seen some of those benefits already for the players that we've signed. Uh, I know a few of the new signings have, have mentioned that as one of the things that attracted them to the club. Um, but like I said, we see that very much as a phase one development. Phase two would obviously see us uh, incorporate the academy. Uh, and moving beyond that, we'd like to also have a wider community involvement in the site. Um, and generally that gets gets kind of driven by um, what grants are available, what the community needs are and, and how we can service those. So um, the main focus at this stage is obviously to get that, that site up and running for the first team. Um, but we're already exploring avenues of what those future phases could look like um, so that we can push forward as soon as we're in a position to do so. With the community stuff, is that kind of more with the community trust and so maybe like the gas girls kind of playing there and things like that? Uh, potentially um, yeah I mean there's there's no kind of boundary set in place at this stage um, ultimately it will be that site has got a huge amount of scope a huge amount of potential uh, and the process is starting now about how best to unlock that and what's the best use of the space how can we make it work for us not just operationally from a football perspective but also from a business perspective are there any revenue streams that we can generate from it is there any kind of sub businesses that we can create on that site that, that generate an, us an income stream outside of the confines of the stadium that we've got at the moment um so that that's what we're looking at obviously there's a huge amount of space there um and it's just about coming up with a plan that, that is the most economical and um, benefits the club in the, the best possible way Martin, you mentioned funding. Um, is the training ground kind of coming directly from Wild rather than from in the club? Yes, it's a completely standalone project. So while while is funding it uh, exclusively himself, yeah. Ah, cool. 
Um, obviously, the training grounds a huge, huge kind of step forward for the club, as would a new stadium. Uh, the training grounds now underway. When do you think we can expect news on on the new stadium? Well, Tom's the expert on this, so I'll uh, I'll throw I'll throw him the ball for that one. Um, when there's, there's no timeline, really, um, I think the clubs the clubs got into trouble in the past for putting dates on things like this. Ultimately, the process takes as long as it takes. Um, I think Wall said in his in his letter that. Um, there's six core objectives, and the first one of those is is improving the infrastructure, of which the stadium is a core and and the biggest part. Obviously, the, the two previous clubs that I've been at, both Cardiff and and Brighton, have really kicked on once that infrastructure is in place. Um, so we're aware of what benefits that a site like that could bring, uh, and it's the main priority to try and deliver that for the supporters. Now, um, developments like that aren't aren't easy; um, they don't come quick. And it's going to take a lot of time, but it's a main priority and everybody in the background is doing all they can to, to try and make it happen. So talking that money is no object here, um, this is, I'm really keen to hear what you'd say, Tom. What would you like to see in a new stadium? I'll give you an example of what I'd like to see. Um, basically, you, you kind of finish the game, you go to the bar, you watch the late kickoff, and then you go down a level and there's basically La Roca, and then once you know you're, you're tanked up and you want to go home, there's an underground station underneath that goes basically directly to my house via Millie's. That would be money's no object. That'd be what I'd exactly what I'd want. So if you can make that happen, I'm surprised you, know. you didn't want a Millie's in the stadium. This this is why you're you know the commercial guy. That that would just seal it off for me. What what would you want? Me, mm-hmm. I mean uh, for for me obviously the. The main things we need to look at is is how that site can be utilised to make the club sustainable. Um, lots of the things that you mentioned there and the ways in which we do it, a lot of it is just about providing facilities that people want to use. Um, so there's not there's not a real science to it. It's just about creating a site that people want to spend time in. And ultimately, the longer the longer you spend in a site like that, the more money you'll be spending, the better time you'll be having, and and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, I mean, from a new stadium, it's just about creating a, a destination that the people want to spend time in. Um, so that, that's what we would look to achieve if we can get something agreed. Well, Tommy's suggestions there would um, uh, lend itself to saying that he would spend a lot of time there. So I think they've got to be seriously taken on board. And, and when the time's right, Tommy, perhaps we should get you involved with the design team. You know, I'm, I've got a very low day rate, so uh, this would be absolutely <laughs> fine. Uh, what about you, Martin? What would you want to see? I think Tom Tom said it all. Really, I mean, we we want uh, we'd want a, a modern stadium um, that um, is um, going to provide fans with reasons to uh, to be there and feel they belong at the club and uh, to to spend as much time there as possible. And ultimately, we want to, we want a site that everybody would be proud of. I mean, Rovers fans have had a pretty rough ride over the course of history. Uh, and so if something could be provided that that gives you that, that pride for your club and the, the passion for the club and something that you can talk to your mates about. and I mean, you see it a little bit to an extent with Tottenham fans when, when their new stadium opens. So um, we obviously want to create something that that 
gets people excited and makes you proud of your club and makes you want to spend time there and again helps us take that next step up um everything i mean one of the other points in in wild's letter was around continual improvement and and taking that step up and that's the way that we'll approach every area of the business season by season um so yeah the stadium would be hugely important part of that puzzle yeah i'd I'd say critical really um the thought of championship football at the mem is as a fan pretty horrifying to be honest um you've said about the site and how important it is um while said that the fruit market site was the kind of preferred site um i assume we're in talks with the owners there is that something you can talk about how that's going not really i think we'd be straying into territory that um, is subject to non-disclosure agreements so um i, I think we should uh, keep our own counsel there tommy no the that's moment. absolutely fine for the moment yeah that's fine um what is because obviously while said it's the the preferred site what is appealing about that site um for those of you who are listening who don't know st phillips it's kind of light industrial at the moment um the fruit market's the biggest site there there's some recycling center there's a school there's kind of like bits and bobs there but it's not a destination at the moment so what's uh, the kind of appeal there ultimately i think the the getting the stadium done is the most important thing. Location is, is secondary. So once the stadium is built, it needs to be a destination, like we said. Um, and there's limited places in which you can build a stadium like that and ensure you can get the right transport networks in place and get people in and out safely as, as well as not affecting um, uh, other users of the area in, in the development. So um, that's the most important thing that we need to kind of bear in mind for a stadium development. Um, the posts have reported, well, they reported quite a few consortiums involved. Um, can you tell us anything about that? I think Wilde said in his letter that he wants to retain a controlling stake in the football club and, and that's, that's how things are to our understanding. So um, since he's taken overall control, like Martin discussed earlier, he was, he was really passionate about getting the training ground site underway and has invested that money himself um, as well as obviously capitalising all the debt and and funding the club through the the biggest threat in our history, um, and during that time ensuring that everybody was paid to to their what they were drew contractually, we've not deferred anyone's wages or cut anyone's wages. Um, so that's a huge commitment in a really difficult environment. And so, um, as far as we're aware, he wants to retain full control of the football club. I think it's fair to say, Tommy, as well. I mean, I've been in professional football now 16 years. And, um, you know, at every club I've been with, consortiums come out of the woodwork um, saying they're going to do this, that and the other. And uh, in the majority of cases, there's no substance either to the consortium or um, to the rumour. And very often they are just rumours um, that, that are put around. So, um, yeah, th- this this will go on um uh, indefinitely I think and it's not just Bristol Rovers other clubs um, get approached um, all the time to see um, if there's interest in, in investment and uh, yeah you have to de- you have to determine whether whether you have a requirement for it or not and at the moment we don't cool 
Um, let's finish with looking ahead to next season. Uh, Tom, do we have an in- indication of how the start of next season will look in terms of fans being able to watch live? Uh, in, in short, no, really, at this stage. Um, I've heard numerous different percentages in terms of capacity. Um, we, from our knowledge of the discussions with the Football League, uh, we're expecting to start the season with some fans in the stadium. Uh, subsequently, um, Boris has, has made an announcement that he doesn't expect that to be till October. Um, but we have no concrete um, dates or percentages or even a, an inkling at this stage as to what they're likely to be. Um, I know that they're holding numerous test events, both at sport and, and for music, uh, and a lot of um, what we end up having to facilitate will be driven out of what comes out of those events. So um, we're kind of waiting to see where we are. Um, what we have said is obviously that, that we'll continue with the same stance in terms of season two holders will we'll get priority for those games if we are free and of reduced capacity. Um, and anybody who is unable to watch a game for whatever reason will have the option to stream that game through iFollow. Um, so that system normally obviously has the restrictions of certain games at certain times, but those have all been lifted. Um, so fans will be able to log in and pay to watch watch any game online just just to add what tom said there i mean we're aware that uh, the efl are doing uh, crowd dynamic studies at uh, charlton athletic and cambridge united uh, they're two different types of stadiums so they're looking to gather data from that and no doubt they'll be making representations to government um, with the results of those um, those uh, crowd dynamic analysis um, until that's done, I think you know we're, we're in a little bit in the dark. As Tom said, there's all sorts of percentages being thrown around, and and the date in which um, fans might be allowed in. I think the way things are going, um, it is going to be October before fans are allowed to uh, to to watch in any in any proportion. Um, but it's a question: of watch this space. I mean, we we we're getting different recommendations and news out of the government almost daily, aren't we? So. Um, what direction it will take next, we don't know. And ultimately, the most important thing is that everyone's safety is the main priority. So um, Sean's our stadium manager and safety officer, and he's already looking into um, what protocols might have to be put in place to ensure that that fans can attend games safely. Um, Ultimately, whenever fans do return, it's going to be different. Um, But we need to make sure that that the the experience we provide is, is a safe one, first and foremost, and then... Uh, is as much like what it was like before we left as possible. Yeah, you mentioned about um, supporters maybe couldn't get in due to capacity issues, could um, pay to watch it on iFollow. Would it be if, say, if I, as a season ticket holder, if I couldn't go in due to capacity issues, would I be able to get that for free potentially? Yes. So I wanted to clear that one up. I knew I was going to get asked if not. Um, Martin, the squad's coming along quite nicely uh, with Rovers getting business done very early this season. Uh, is our strong financial position meaning we can jump, get a jump on a few of our rivals? Um, I don't think it's just our, our financial position that's, uh, that's allowing us to do that. I mean, remember we had a number of players out of contract that have, that have left. Um, I think yeah, a lot of it is down to Ben and Tommy uh, being prepared to do the work required on recruitment when many others weren't. You know, they other clubs seem to have been locked down. That was their, their decision. We've been locked down as well. But Tommy and Ben have been working very hard 
um, from from their home bases and uh, analyzing uh, data. They've, they've watched a lot of players and a lot of games on TV and through our scouting networks to identify the type of players in specific positions that we needed to be able to play the way we want to play. So uh, a lot of it, a lot of the credit goes to Ben and Tommy um, for the, the time they put in, in, uh, in pursuing players um, at an early stage. So, um, I saw after the Villa game the other day uh, when they stayed up, Dean Smith said that they used the pandemic well. Uh, and I think the same could probably be said for us. Or it's quite a strange statement. Um, like Martin touched upon there, many, many clubs furloughed um, management staff and recruitment staff. Um, some are still on furlough. Um, but obviously, as, as Martin touched upon, that wasn't the case for Tommy and Ben. They've been working tirelessly throughout the period and that's enabled us to get a head start in those areas and obviously get us get us further down the track to be prepared for, for the first day of pre-season. Yeah, um, the Gillingham owner, Scally, is not very happy that we've managed to poach Max Aimer off them. Uh, he kind of came out and started going on about how much we'd lost and all this kind of stuff. Any riposte to that? Anything you want to say to him? Well, I, th- I think, you know, I've known Paul for uh, a long time and I wouldn't say I've known, I know him well, but, um, you know, we've um, engaged at EFL meetings uh, previously. Um, you've got to respect the guy for um, uh, owning Gillingham for as long as he, he has and keeping them in business. Um, but I, I personally don't believe um, people should be commenting about other clubs. And, uh, you know, apart from what I've just said, uh, you know, paying respect to, to Paul Scully, I, I wouldn't even comment on Gillingham's finances or any other clubs. Yeah, fair. Um, how many more signings do you think we can expect this summer? Um, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be specific in terms of numbers, but uh, there will certainly be more to come. Do we think a lot of them will be loans? Um, there might be the odd loan, but uh, and we're certainly not not looking to pursue uh, that many. No, more of the what we've been going for before, where we get younger players, yeah. and obviously there's a lot of players out of contract this summer. In the correct, yeah. Correct. So we have a, we have our eyes on two or three, Tommy, but uh, we'll see we'll see what uh, what drops at the end of the day. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it does seem like we're kind of just building up. Well, as a as a layman, it does feel like we're building a promotion chasing team. Like the the likes of Max Aimer, Jack Baldwin are big players at this level. Uh, is that the aim for this season? Top six? Did you just use the p word? I I, I yeah, I've just uh, I've just used it. I, th- I, I, I think ridiculously I think early. I just I think we just need to manage expectations a little bit. I mean, we are ambitious. I think uh, uh, what we've been been doing over the last the 12 months, you know, despite the pandemic, shows that we are ambitious and we want this club to be as successful as it possibly can be. But it's not an exact science. Um, these new players coming in, as I said earlier, could gel straight away and we could get off to a great start and be able to sustain it. Um, pervert... <laughs> Obviously, the opposite could happen. We could get off to a poor start, confidence uh, uh, drops, and a lot of hard work is needed then to to recover. Uh, Football's like that. Um, But uh, clearly, we're we're hoping for um, a good, strong, positive start and and sustaining that for the season, and we'll see where that takes us. 
Tom, what uh, how much will the tickets on the promotion bus be when we do the Open Top Bus Tour? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've been lucky enough to be involved in two Open Bus Tours before when both Cardiff and Brian got promoted to the Premier League. Just unbelievable occasions, both very different in the way that they planned out, but similar in lots of other ways. So um, if and when that happens with Rovers, we'll look to make sure it's an occasion for everyone to enjoy. And I've been promoted with the other three clubs I've worked for, so I'm determined to uh, to achieve that with a fourth. Ah, it's one of those. What Sherborne? Surely not. Oh well, that, that would be that would be the fifth. <laughs> Swind- Swind- Swindon, Swindon, Yeovil, Plymouth, promoted with all of them. Good pedigree. <laughs> very good pedigree. Uh, Tom, Martin, thank you very much for taking the time to join me today uh, i know supporters listening will greatly appreciate your time and honesty uh thanks for listening gas says don't forget to describe describe subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts and also check us out on patreon at patreon.com gascast if you would like to support the show where for the price of a pint a month you'll receive early access to interviews exclusive access to our extra time series and membership giveaways all that leaves me to say is up the gas up the gas thanks tommy